pain and despair, I was feeling joy and excitement. The year I turned 50, in memory of my mother, I decided to claim six months for myself. I abandoned my career, my husband, my children and grandchildren, my friends, my home and my large garden, and went on a journey alone. To find myself. Chapter 1 I am a classic baby boomer. I was born into relative affluence, and like so many women of my generation, I've had it all. I have maintained a busy life and have worked professionally with virtually no time off for 30 years, while simultaneously rearing a larger-than-average family, balancing a relationship with my partner, managing a house, establishing a garden, and generally being all things to all people. The expectations placed on us 50s girls have been enormous, and many have crumbled under the strain, admitting that being superwoman just isn't worth it. I somehow managed to survive, but, oddly enough, only with considerable help from my mother. My mother regained her mental health, but really only completely recovered following the death of my father, two years after the dramatic dissolution of their marriage. She moved to a wheat farm in northern New South Wales with my much older half-brother John, but within twelve months had injured her leg so badly in a fall that she needed total bed rest to recuperate fully. It was harvest time and John simply couldn't cope, so Mum arrived on our doorstep to stay for three weeks. Somehow this turned into twenty-three years. My husband used to joke that it was like the mythical aunt who comes to dinner and never leaves— but somehow for all of us it seemed just right. By this stage we had two small children. Living up north, Mum had sorely missed them, and I had certainly missed having her around during those busy years with a young family. My relationship with her, which had been greatly strained during the years of her marriage breakup and nervous breakdown, was miraculously healed at the birth of my first child. It was quite amazing how her spirits lifted when this small, wrinkled person arrived on the scene. She even wrote me a long and apologetic letter, acknowledging how bad things had been and how having a grandchild had somehow changed her life. Suddenly she was more positive. She had something to live for again. With her shock of unruly grey hair, her sharp wit and her irreverent sense of humour, she obviously had a huge impact on our lives over such a long period. She maintained her penchant for whiskey and cigarettes, carefully eyeing the clock every evening for the stroke of five when the lid would come off the bottle. But her contribution to our family life greatly outweighed her long-acquired bad habits. My partner of nearly thirty years is a filmmaker, eleven years my senior. David and I got together in 1972 when I was working as a publicist for a commercial television station in Sydney where he was in production with a television series. The first time I saw David walking along the gloomy corridors near my office, I was aghast. He was a bear-like man in his early thirties, balding on top but with blonde streaked hair at the back and sides that swept down over his shoulders, and he had a brilliant red beard that came close to reaching his belt buckle. There's a man who works at the station, I reported to Mum that weekend, who looks very much like an oversized garden gnome. Not long separated from his first wife, Kathleen, and still on the rebound from a disastrous affair with a pretty young woman in the production office, David really shouldn't have been all that interested in entering into another full-on relationship. Yet he pursued me quite obsessively, 
and within a few months of meeting him, we started living together. One of the first questions David posed to me in those early months of our relationship concerned having a child together. He already had a son, Tony, who had been born not long after the split-up with Kathleen, and he felt very distanced from him. David seemed desperate to have a child, and for reasons I still cannot begin to fathom, I cheerfully fell in with the idea. I've often wondered why I was so compliant, given that it could easily have been a recipe for disaster. My youth and background of emotional turmoil combined with his poor history of relationships. I don't remember thinking it through for a moment or trying to analyse the pros and cons. I simply stopped taking the pill and we produced our first child, a daughter, Miriam, in 1973. Two years later, we followed with a son, Aaron. And not long after, with Mum in tow, we moved the entire household to the Blue Mountains, two hours west of Sydney.